Hi, this is Coach Sherry, and I am the host of the Teen Wise Podcast. I'm having conversations with teens fueled by curiosity and compassion. As a teen life coach, parent, educator, and mom to three, I've learned that hearing straight from teens is the best way to truly understand the world they live in and the struggles they face. Listen in to find out more. Let me just be transparent here. I'm a white woman who cannot possibly even begin to educate anyone on racism. Thankfully, this podcast isn't about me being the expert. It's about teens having a voice and learning from their experiences and their views. We've heard a lot from adults about racism and what's going on in the news, but it's time to get a different perspective on things. It's time that we hear directly from teens. Thank you to my guests, Kiana and Malik, for being here to lend their voice to the difficult discussion about racism in America and their thoughts on what's going on right now in the streets of America. Let's start by getting to know the two of you, though. I'd love for you to introduce yourself and let us know a little bit about the community that you live in. My name is Malik Gay. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm 19 years old. Um, I've grown up in predominantly white communities pretty much my entire life. I've kind of like been a little used to sticking out like a sore thumb, if that kind of like makes sense. My name is Kiana, I'm from Texas, I'm 18, and I've grown up uh, in predominantly white area. Um, I think like the most black kids I ever had in my grade was like five, including me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna just start with some hard hitting questions. Like when was the first time you realized that you might be treated a little bit differently because of the color of your skin. Nothing else, just the color of your skin. Um, Well, the first time that my mom kind of like brought this up to me, um, I was really, really young. And I honestly don't even remember the first time she really said, hey, Malik, like we need to sit down and have the talk that many African-American families have. But I've kind of been used to growing up and where my mom kind of explains it in stages that there wasn't, there isn't like a specific instance where it was just like one time, like, Hey, you are going to be judged just by the way you look and you kind of are going to have to represent a mass amount of community of people just because of the way you look. So at least for my instance, at least from when I was younger, I don't have a specific time. My mom kind of sat me down and talked about it. Um, But there were instances in school or sports where I knew that I kind of stand out. I played lacrosse for a long time since I was in about fifth grade. So that in and of itself, like not many people that play the sport look like me. And that's changing rapidly, which is amazing. But I guess that's kind of the first thing that stuck out to me, especially in sports. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the talk. And this is something that Sadly, I didn't know existed, you know, until probably five, maybe 10 years ago. There's this talk that in Black families that most people have. So you mention it, but what is that talk? Like, and Kiana, um, did you have the talk too? Like, both of you can speak to this. If they did have the talk with me, I don't remember because I was so young. I know my dad has always been really quiet and more so been one to let things show up in the media and then have like a very brief like two three sentence conversation off of that and then my mom is one to most of the time she's very proactive to me about talking about things with me but with that um i think the first time she really talked to me i think i was like i want to say 13 or 14 i don't remember what year it was it was the year they were like 
uh, protests in Dallas and somebody shot a police officer. And she was like, oh, let's go on a walk randomly. And I was like, okay. And we spent like a whole two hours just talking about um, police brutality and things like that. So Malik, can you remember back to what the talk was? Like, what did your mom tell you? From what I can remember, it was due to where we live and kind of the standpoint of our country and kind of the world, Black people aren't really seen the exact same as everyone else. And I could either go with it in two ways. I could take that and kind of run with it and be strong and be educated and do my part and kind of spreading awareness to that and wanting to change that. Or I could use it to fuel an angry side of myself and kind of stick to myself and not really talk about different issues. So that was something that my mom really instilled in like me and my two brothers that like we are different, but different isn't bad in any scenario. And it's interesting right now in the world, you see those two sides that your mom was talking about, of talking about it and being angry about it. And like, what do you think about those two sides that are kind of showing up? Well, I mean, personally, I just think that with pretty much everything, there's going to be multiple sides to it, just because everybody's different and everyone's emotional standpoint and how they handle things and do things is kind of going to be a 180 from somebody else. So... There are a lot of people that see being peaceful and getting a message out and doing something in that way um, is going to incite change. But they're also going to be the people that feel like we have to take initiative and really demand the change and do something. And it's kind of different strokes for different folks. But I think the main goal is like wanting change from everybody. Like if you look at especially what's going on in our country right now, everyone just wants change. Like people, it doesn't matter if you're white or black, like people see what's going on and see that it's wrong. So I think that's like the most important thing to kind of stick by it, even though there are two ways in which people see that that change can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that's going on is the, the messaging is getting lost because people are focusing on the wrong things sometimes. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, all this is going on, but what is the change we want? Let's Let's get that done. Kiana, what are you seeing in your community as far as all of the stuff that's going on? Like, are you feeling supported? Are you like, is there conversation going on? Well, I've been in the house most of the time, like during quarantine. So I really only talk to like my friends and my parents about stuff. A lot of what's going on right now, it changes like your relationships with people um, and how you be different people in your life. Like, I guess in my group of friends, I have like two white friends and then one friend and she's um, Indian and I have uh, two friends that are black and one of my friends that is black she's very like vocal about stuff she's posting all the time and I have another friend and she doesn't say really much anything and to some people that may look like oh you don't care or you like agree with the wrong side of what's going on and I think it's really pushed me to like have uncomfortable conversations with my friends um, and really talk to them and understand the difference between like oh I just don't care and I'm so uncomfortable with this moment. Like, I can't even go on social media. And I know that's how some of my friends are. They just, they can't even, like, go on the internet, really, and look at stuff because it just messes up their day that much. So right now, we hear a lot about Black Lives Matter. So how do you deal with that when you are in a predominantly white community? Does that ever create issues for you? Yeah, it does, if I'm being honest, because um, a lot of people see it as 
people saying Black Lives Matter is taking away from other majority groups of people. And it's not that Black Lives Matter more, it's that, hey, we have an issue right now with a demographic of people that is important to our country and our world. And we should wanna lift up and help those people. And it doesn't, I think getting the message across that like, it doesn't bring down anybody else just to bring up other people. Jenna, are you coming across that as well? Like push back um, on Black Lives Matter? Yeah, I would agree with everything Malik said. I know for me, I've also had situations. Um, my school is like right down the street from a police station. Um, and a lot of, there's a lot of kids whose parents are police officers. Um, and I don't even know like how to explain it. It's, there's just things I come across and I don't understand like how people's viewpoints work. Like I heard it, there was one guy that told me that um, because his dad was a police officer, he goes through things that are just as bad and worse than racism. And he was like, oh, well, you're never going to understand like what it means to have your dad leave the house every day and like not know if he's going to come home. And I'm like, I, my dad is black. He's six, eight. He's almost seven feet tall. He's almost 300 pounds. He lives in a predominantly white neighborhood. Like he's like the prime stereotypical example of a scary black man. Like, please, I, I just don't. Yeah. So you know exactly what he, he feels like when his dad leaves the house because you feel the same way. And you both have siblings, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. And Malik, you have two brothers. Where do you fit yeah. in there? Are you the middle? I'm the middle child. Oh, yeah. Okay. And Kiana, how about you? I'm the oldest. My siblings are twins. They're 11, boy and a girl. So do you worry about your siblings? Yes. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Especially because my, my brothers see things really on the same spectrum a lot of the times and they can sometimes be hard-headed. So it does scare me a lot when there are different scenarios and like things are popping up in the news. And I think about like, oh my gosh, my brothers are well-spoken. They carry themselves really strongly. And that can just instantly switch for them and change our life and their lives forever. It's really scary to just like know that. And I don't think I realize that like, that's what my mom feels, but like also with me too. And with everyone in our family, like that's just kind of like the fear factor a little bit of kind of an everyday thing. Now we're hearing obviously right now about racism as it relates to police and police brutality. And Malik, you had a situation where you were pulled over by the cops at one point, right? Yes, I did. Why don't you run us through that? Because I'm gonna be really honest. Um, when your mom told me about what happened, it opened up a whole new new way of looking at things because you hear a lot about if you just are kind and respectful and don't do anything wrong, then this will never come up. And it's just not true. And um, your story really exemplifies that. So are you comfortable sharing that with us? Yeah, yeah, of course. So this was a week after my 13th birthday. Um, me and my older brother, we're driving around, we're gonna get food for our family, like right down the street, like probably five minutes from our house. And we get pulled over by the police. We weren't bringing any attention to ourselves, not doing anything crazy. So that's what, and that initially showed that like we were kind of confused and like what was going on. So we get pulled over, park, do everything asked, 
And when the police officer stopped talking for a minute, he said, well, you guys look like you were up to something. So that's why I stopped you. Me and my brother kind of just looked at each other and stopped like, we're just going to get food from like Subway. <laughs> like mm -hmm. there was nothing that we did that would like warrant anything, like no traffic violations, nothing. So we were confused in that instance. And the police officer ended up asking my brother to get out of the car with no real explanation as to what was going on. He just asked him to get out. I was sitting in the passenger seat next to him um, when this happened and they had a whole conversation towards the trunk of the car. I couldn't hear it word for word. And I'm scared because like my older brother, he was 18 at the time. Like he was like a kid to, in my eyes. And then one instance, my older brother wanted to tell me to like call our mom because that was like our defense mechanism. She protects us and literally everything. So he reaches for the trunk to open the trunk to tell me like, hey, call mom, like tell her what's going on, that we're okay, that like something just happened and like we'll be back home soon. And as soon as he did that, the police officer instantly just reached for his gun on his waist. And I could see it from the, from the passenger seat he started yelling at my older brother. So like that, like kind of like shocked me for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and especially shocked my brother. He talks about it all the time. Then in the end, he just sent us on our way. Like nothing even happened. He said we could just go along and we just sat there for a second on the ride back. And we're just like, that could have gone so differently. And we didn't even do anything mm -hmm. or in it. So that was just like, that was the scariest situation that I've, I've had with the police for sure. So did he ever draw his gun or he just postured like he was going to grab it and pull it out? And Yeah, he just like reached back for it like he was going to pull it out as soon as my brother made like the slightest move mm -hmm. to reach for, for the trunk just to talk to me and say that like call our mom like right. so she knows what's going on. Yeah, that's just it was crazy and really awful. So what was going through your head while you're sitting there in the passenger seat, like kind of not really being able to hear and not knowing what's going on? Well, a lot was going through my head, but like the main thing I want to say was my mom, especially just because she's like talked us through situations. And I knew like as soon as we got pulled over not to move, put our hands like on the dashboard as soon as possible so they know what's going on. And when he was towards the trunk of the car, I was just sitting there and I was just like getting overwhelmed in my own thoughts, I think. And that kind of consumed me a little bit in that moment. So when my brother tried to like call for me and like say like, hey, call mom. When the officer reached for his gun, I was like in shock in that moment that like something that was just so small could have just escalated so, so fast and would have changed my life and our family's life forever. And so we talked about the talk that your mom had with you earlier in life, but then there's also the talk about what to do if you're pulled over. Right. Yeah, right. that's that's a, that's a part of it for sure. Mm -hmm. So you did everything you're supposed to. You guys you know, were respectful. You did what the cops asked, followed the rules, and it still you know, took a turn that was unexpected. Right, exactly. Uh, I, I wanted you to tell that because so many people just say, follow the rules and be kind. And this is never going to, you don't have to worry about it. Right. There's always that excuse of it's just because of the way they acted when they were pulled over. But um, I think the story kind of shows that's not true. Yeah. And sometimes following the rules just isn't enough when 
you kind of fit a mold in our society right now. So the police at the end just said, okay, you're free to go. And that was it. Yeah, that was the last of it. They sent us on our way. No apology, no nothing. He said, all right, you guys are all good. And just let us go. So how has that shaped, you know, moving forward? Because you were 13 at the time, you said? Right, 13. So how has that kind of shaped how you think about police now? It definitely makes me second guess everything, um, especially, like, even just, like, driving down the street. Like, if a police officer, like, pulls up behind me, I get really tense and stop moving, really, and can't focus on anything else other than that scenario. And that's even, like, I'm not doing anything that would warrant me to even have an interaction with the police, a negative interaction at all. So it's shaped how like I handle situations like that and seeing police officers out um, in my community. And it's kind of changed them from like seeing people in the community that I know I could trust to having this like figure of fear attached Mm -hmm. to it. And Kiana, what about you? I know we talk a lot about, you know, black male teens and being pulled over by police. What are your thoughts on this? Do, do you have a talk about that with your parents and police? And I've been in the car with my dad multiple times, gotten pulled over. But it was, again, like at a point where I was so young, but like I really didn't understand it. Like I think one time, I think I was like five or six, my dad and I were going to get food or something and the police pulled us over. I was a kid, I was like, oh, I've never seen a police car up close. So I like take off my seatbelt, I jump out of the seat, I'm like standing in the back of the car. And um, the police officer like got to the window, my dad rolls it down and my, he's like, oh, your child was in like a seat or something. And my dad didn't say anything, just like the way he looked at me. I just, like, I didn't understand when I was that young, like why the police officer was stressing him out or like why he looked at me like that. But I, it just, I don't know. I just remember that distinctly. What could you kind of read into that look? Like, what was he trying to get across to you there? I guess he was just mad at me. But, like, I was a kid, and I didn't really, I'd never, my parents had talk, hadn't talked to me about that yet, so I didn't understand what the issue was, because in my head, I was like, oh, the car stopped, so, like, it's fine. So, would the two of you say you're afraid of cops or cautious? What What's your overall thought about police Malik you said it used to be authority someone you could trust and now it's fear is mm-hmm. that kind of is that for all cops now yeah I, I it's bad that I make the like the prejudgment of it for sure but that has it's become like the initial reaction once I see a police officer that I w- I am super cautious I am very articulate about like my movements and what I do and different things like that so yeah, it's, it's turned to like me being extremely cautious, but also feeling like a little scared and nervous about the possibility of something happening, mm-hmm. even if doing anything to warrant it. Now, what we're seeing right now in the news is obvious racism, right? But um, there's a lot of things that go on in a daily basis, and that is also racism in our societies and our communities. Is there anything that you can think about like that either has happened to you or you've seen happening to your friends that is racist that people might not even think about it as racist i've had a lot of situations like i guess microaggressions um with teachers and stuff uh like i have one teacher um and i have a loud laugh and she's always like made fun of me for that um but then there's this other person in class and she is just loud in general like constantly 
screaming and yelling about something, um, but she's white. And we were in class one day, and I think I laughed like once at something my friend said we were doing like individual, or not individual, like group work. Um, and this other girl had been screaming the whole class, and she like yelled across, the, the teacher like yelled across the classroom at me. She was like, Kiana, why are you being so loud? Like, I, I didn't understand like what warranted that, because the other girl was like right next to her screaming in her ear, but she hadn't said anything to her all class. I've had situations where teachers that are also minorities um, like say things and it's just, I think sometimes it really throws me off when it's not just like a white person saying something, when it's another minority. Um, like I have a friend um, and he's, his family's from the Middle East and he was wearing a watch in class one day and his alarm went off and the teacher goes, our teacher was like, uh, she was Brazilian and she goes, oh, look out, like so-and-so is gonna, started like they're gonna set a bomb in the classroom like I oh my just like things that are uncalled for and she thought it was just like funny what did all the other kids in the class do when the teacher said that we didn't really say anything because she's said similar things before I guess like one time she implied we were talking about grades and at this point there were only three black people in my grade um and we were all in NHS and she was asking, like, who got into NHS, blah, blah, blah. And she turns to me and the one other black girl that was in the class at the time. She's like, oh, so y'all have Asian parents. I was like, no, my, my parents are black. They're African-American. She's like, but, like, y'all are really smart and you have, like, good grades. So y'all have Asian parents. I'm like, no. <laughs> That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. At one point, she even asked us, like, she specifically turned to, like, all the minorities in the class. And she had said, oh, well, when y'all come home with bad grades, do your parents beat you? And then she turned to all the white kids in the class and um, she said, when y'all get good grades, do your parents bring you money or like give you money? And I just, I don't understand sometimes like what goes through people's heads to think, to not think about how, like what they're saying is problematic. Mm-hmm. And again, especially just like, I really don't get it when it's like another minority. But I think especially through what's going on right now, I've realized that everyone kind of feels like they're on, in their own like little pocket. And it's like, oh, this is our problem and that's their problem. Like I've seen things on social media like, oh, Latinx people are backing up black people right now. So when this happens to us, they better come around for us and we're not going to be there for them next time. And I'm just like, I, it shouldn't have to be about keeping tallies of who's doing what for who. Malik, have you had any issues like that in the classroom? Yeah, for sure. Um, my senior and junior year there are two instances where there are kids in my class who would drive to school with confederate flags on their cars mm-hmm. and we all parked in the same student parking lot and we brought awareness to the issue like me and a couple of my friends who were all black kids we said like hey like this is not like cool i don't know if you don't understand like what you're doing is like hurtful but it would be really cool if you just like didn't do so and they just like didn't care at all and tell us like oh it's our heritage like we're not doing it it's not hateful at all like we're not doing it because we're hating on anything it's just how we feel and it ended up like sparking up throughout the high school and more and more people found out about it and we ended up having like a council meeting basically with our administrators to explain like how we felt what was said what it should change about it and just how it was wrong and after that like those kids like they didn't have like confederate flags on their cars anymore and then there was 
another instance my senior year where a junior at the time was sending like really really racist memes basically making fun of like slavery and lynching and everything that comes with it so that again was like brought up to the school that kid had to like come up to us apologize he was suspended i believe for like two days and then came back to school and everyone kind of act like it didn't happen so that was just an interesting thing that i noticed that like things like that and especially the whole the racist meme thing that like people just saw it as like being addressed that one time like oh he was suspended for two days like it's fine but there were also kids that like were in the group chats that he was in laughing sending back stuff like thinking it was funny and nothing happened and it wasn't addressed publicly at all so it just didn't make like me my friends the people other kids that brought it up to the school it didn't make us feel like we actually like like they cared about us at all right they just dealt with that particular thing but there was an education piece to it or a broader messaging that that we don't stand for this right they kind of try to sweep it under the rug Mm -hmm. and then move on but while other kids like are coming are finding out about it from like other students instead of the school like taking initiative and addressing the situation And you bring up a really good point about the jokes and the memes and things like that. And I see that start surfacing in middle school where you see a lot of sexist jokes and racist jokes and anti-Semitic jokes and people are like trying this whole new way of relating to people around them. People laugh at it. And in middle school, there's like a lack of awareness because kids don't get it yet but it continues on through high school. So you mentioned the memes. Are there other jokes that kind of friends throw around, even maybe your close friends that throw out racist jokes and they're like, oh, I'm just joking. Yeah, there's things that like circulate around the internet, like black kids, like not having fathers or like, oh, those black kids over there and like saying like comments, like loaded comments. Um, That's also a major thing. But I also think that it's like a huge ignorance issue that people are scared to have like conversations with their kids like hey you can't say do think things like that and a lot of people are really sheltered from it because they live in kind of a bubble and they just don't think about it every day Mm -hmm. so they think that what they're saying is funny but what they're saying and doing can be really hurtful and kiana how about you do you see jokes being thrown around not so much jokes or things meant to intentionally hurt as like I know there's certain people that I have been friends with um where they like I guess fetishize black people a lot like I had this one girl and she was just constantly like I just want to date a black guy and have like cute mixed babies and I don't know I felt like I didn't know how to explain to her I was younger I didn't know how to like bring that up with her and I didn't want to like create an uncomfortable situation right and in that instance she probably felt like it was a flattery right like yeah it wasn't negative at all so for people who don't get that like explain why it is kind of a negative not necessarily positive like they may be thinking you're saying like you're only it's you're just saying you're only going to date somebody for the way they look um and then sometimes for people it's in that case it's also about like oh well I want to have like this like this cool looking baby like that I can post Instagram pictures with or something and it's like, first of all, that's a child, like that's another person, if that even were to happen. But then I know also sometimes it goes deeper than that and people are like, 
oh, well, like, I just feel like I'm black because, like, I like rap music and blah, blah, blah. So, like, I want to be with a black, like, a black guy or I need to be with a black girl. Like, that's what I just need in my life. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So do you address it or do you just kind of laugh it off or just, like, don't say anything? I didn't really address it that much until recently. Um, We have, like, a conversation in the middle of history class. It wasn't so much like fetishizing this like idea of preferences. I know mean, I know there's a lot of stuff in the media about this of like certain uh like rappers and stuff being like, Oh, well I only date like this race or I only date this certain like range of shades within this race. Mm-hmm. Um I know there's like a lot of uh argument within like the black community about, oh well is that just like a preference or is that being uh colorist or things like that. How does your black identity fit into like the world that you live in for me personally i like to look at that specifically through like the lacrosse standpoint um because there aren't like many role models that look like me throughout lacrosse professionally there are a couple in college there are like a couple sprinkled in on each team so like i try to use that and play at a high level and be a role model and be active and be helpful to kids that want to play lacrosse whether they look like me or not and kind of show them like, hey, you don't have to just like restrict yourself to one thing. Like you can branch out and try something new and you might not be like a majority in that standpoint, but you can use that um, to inspire like younger people once you reach the level that you want to reach to. And how about you, Kiana? I guess for me, I think of it as a part of my identity, but I don't, like it's not something I think about day to day um, necessarily most of the time going through things. Um, but I know I do feel a lot of pressure in certain situations, especially if I'm like the only or one of the few black people, like I have to be like really, really good at something because yeah. if I'm not, then I'm like representing everybody. So in the um, predominantly white neighborhoods that you're in and communities, like how do you still reach out and um, you know, make sure that that is part of who you are? And like you said, Kiana, it's not, all of who you are it's just a part of it but when you're surrounded by all these white people like how do you still foster that identity how are you able to like like where do you look to for your role role models and inspiration i use a lot of things like on the internet which sounds weird uh but i guess like i feel like if you're in a predominantly white space you don't sometimes you don't necessarily have to like go out with the intention of like educating people you just have to be yourself and questions will naturally come up and you can explain um like i know when i was in like middle school i would get braids a lot and people would ask questions and i would just explain like how braids worked or um when i say the thing about like having role models on the internet um when i was younger i used to like straighten my hair a lot and i my mom like her hair was always straight or like it was completely cut off so i never knew like what to do with my hair so i remember majority of like seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, I would spend hours and hours and hours and hours on the internet um, looking up like YouTube videos and reading articles and trying to figure out like what the heck do I do with my hair because there wasn't really anybody around me to show me that. Yeah, to go off that, I think that something that's really special that we have now that like a lot of people didn't have growing up is the internet. Like we can easily like find an outlet, easily look up information, easily get in touch with people that we can connect with. Um, even though we're not seeing people that look like us every single day, 
just having that basis that like we know that we can go to online or different things, different outlets, social media for sure. That's been like a huge one to connect people. It's like, a, I see that as like a huge tool. That like a lot of people I think should use maybe a little more to branch out and just like educate themselves on different situations and topics. For sure, yeah. And finding a community that um, is willing to have the discussions, like you both said, it's uncomfortable to talk about these things sometimes with your community, but to find people who are willing to talk about it and, and have the, the difficult talks. Yeah. I think mm -hmm. that's key. So, um, Kiana, I'm going to ask you this question because you brought it up um, about dating. <laughs> How does like how you're being raised, where you're being raised, really, how does it affect dating? I know for me, like in my family, so all of my family lives on the East Coast. Um, like I was born in North Carolina and all my family lives over there. And it's just me, um, my parents, my siblings here. And I've always gone to schools with, like a lot of white people. And I only dated uh, white guys. And I know my family, like when we go back to the East Coast, they try to like, use that to invalidate my blackness and like oh well you're like a country texas girl like you only want white boys so you're not really one of us or something like that um or oh like you talk like too nice or something so you're not really black but i think also in in my perspective personally i feel like for black girls it's kind of like a like a nobody really like wants us type thing um because I know on the internet, there's a lot of things like, oh, like, oh, I only want like light skins, or I only want to date white girls. And obviously, like, I'm not a black guy, so I can't speak in 100%, but I feel like black guys do like more attention, I guess, than opposite sex, because there's this fetishization of them. Um, and even then, that's still not true. Like, I actually like want to like be with you and spend time with you. But I think yeah, in general, just living in a predominantly white area, it's hard to tell the difference between when somebody genuinely likes you for you and when they just want you for, like, the fact that you're black. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are a lot of times where it feels like there's some people in the community that kind of, as you said, fetishize dating a black guy or, like, want to have, like, mixed kids to fit their aesthetic, which is mm -hmm. absurd to me. But at the same time, like, there are people that it's just, like, the factor of weeding that out a little bit. And it's, I honestly, like, I've only grown up, like, really around white people. So, like, that's just what I see. So, like, I see my friends dating white girls. I see, like, those are just, like, the people that I'm just around. So, like, I think that, you like, you date who you're around mm -hmm. unless you're, like, actively seeking out a specific thing that's also tied to it. Mm-hmm. So if you are dating someone who's white, it sounds like, Kiana, you get some pushback from your extended family. Um, what about like when you're posting online? Does anybody give you guys pushback about, you mentioned not being black enough or that you're um, like any other comments around it? No, not really online. I've never gotten anything directly online, but I have dated people before where it's like, they tell me like months down the line, oh, by the way, like, so-and-so private messaged me and said this, or my mom said this about you. Like, I dated a guy one time, and it was, like, six, seven months in. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, my mom still doesn't know your name. She calls you that inward girl that you date. I'm like, 
you bring this up now. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Wow. Jeez. I personally haven't felt, seen things like directly on the internet, but I know like my girlfriend right now, like her roommate like made like comments that like didn't really make her the most comfortable about like dating black person. And she was, her roommate said like, oh, like I've gotten with a black guy before. Like I can give you advice on it. And it's just like, when she told me that she was like, one extremely angry that you would remotely even like think of something like that but just to say that like you've met with one black guy you now can speak upon a relationship that someone's trying to like actually build and like connect with with somebody else that they care about so yeah. i guess that's like a different aspect of it a little bit mm -hmm, for sure so you both mentioned this idea of being black enough like what does that even mean like, I don't even, it's hard to even grasp, like, what that concept means. Um, well, th there's just, like, this weird gray area where um, you can get pushed back from the Black community sometimes, where it's like, oh, you talk you t the way you talk. Like, I think I kind of articulate myself um, in a positive way. So there have been times when people say, like, oh, why do you sound like that? Why are you talking like that? And I'm just like, I'm just talking how I talk. Like, I don't know what else you want me to do or like how else you want me to sound. But there are also feelings where like you can be stuck in a middle where like you don't really relate to your like other black people all the time. But there are other times where like you don't relate with like the white kids in your community either. So you're trying to go back and forth and balance that. But like people don't really like see it or talk about it it's kind of just like a known thing that like, if you're in that scenario, you're kind of like held to that situation. I know for me personally, especially in conversations I've had with my cousins and stuff, a lot of it I feel like is the fact that we were growing up in like two, two different socioeconomic statuses. Like my dad grew up pretty middle class, but my mom did not, but I was able to grow up like upper middle class and a lot of my uh, family members and cousins don't have that. So sometimes I feel like I'm not like black enough because I guess it all plays into like stereotypes and like the stereotype that black people are like poor, but then also the fact that there are like systems um, that make it harder for black people to gain money and gain wealth. And I feel like sometimes my cousins, when we have conversations, they kind of hold that against me. I can't think of like a specific example of how to explain it. And then I've also had like situations on the flip side where it's like I literally had a white friend tell me before that she was more black than me, which I don't understand how that works. Um, and her reasoning was something about uh, the music I listen to and the fact that I don't have a lot of black friends, which I don't expect how I don't understand how she expected me to have more black friends when there's only two other black people at my school and like 50,000 white people. But it's just like I feel like I'm in the middle weirdly mm -hmm. yeah in this time where you're trying to figure out who you are and how you relate to the world you're kind of in this weird in-between situation i want to ask you what do you need from your communities right now what would you like to see if you could go out and say this is what you guys need to be doing and we can talk about your school or your community in general i think the main thing that uh, my community in general like my friend group and people I go to school with 
just like to know what's going on and how we're basically living through a huge um, history lesson right now. Like I can see in the future that this is going to be taught like in history books as a massive event that kind of changes our country. And it just kind of hurts sometimes when people don't acknowledge it or don't acknowledge what is happening. Or even another thing that like stands out the most to me about, especially what's going on recently, where like you can see what's going on in the news. You can see that like Black Lives Matter is very much taking a stand for what's happening. And there are still some kids that like won't even reach out to me. And there are kids that are like, hey man, like I hope you're doing okay with everything going on, black and white kids, and like checking in on me. And though I'm coming to realize that those are the situations and the people that I really care about. And then there are others that, that are like close to me that still haven't said anything to me about it, asked if I'm all right, asked how I'm doing, asked my opinion on it. So I guess the biggest thing is just like to know what's going on and being aware and also wanting to be proactive and knowing what you can do to make progress and make change. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is keeping your friends that are close to you that haven't reached out? What do you think is stopping them from reaching out to you? I don't know. I don't know if I'm being honest. I don't really have an answer. I, I feel like if something else was happening and to one of my friends, like no matter what it is, like I would want to reach out to them and like see if they're okay. Like even if, if I don't want to get into like the technicals of it, but I think a lot of people are scared to, scared of what other people are going to think, scared if they post one thing on social media, then they're going to be perceived as, as if they don't care about something else. And everyone has their own opinions about stuff. But the main thing I think is just like checking in on people just in general, um, whether this is happening or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that some people may not reach out because they're nervous they're going to do it wrong. But right. um, yeah, from what you're saying, it's better to reach out and do it wrong than to not reach out at all. Right, exactly. Um, I had a girl actually I went to school with a couple years ago, and she reached out to me, and we haven't talked in like two, three years. And she is someone that was kind of sheltered to kind of black people and how they live life and what's going on right now. And she just didn't know because she lived in kind of a bubble and didn't experience or didn't see this type of thing. So she reached out to me and was just like, I don't even know what to say. I don't know how to get my message across, but just know that like, I'm here for you and I want to learn. I want to actively like be progressive and know what's going on and kind of figure out what's going on with everything. And we had a really long and awesome conversation where we were just going back and forth. And the main thing that she said was she was scared about like um, what to say mm -hmm. and that if she was going to say something wrong or, or how it would just like be viewed on her. And it was clear that she was a very loving person, loves everybody. And she was just scared to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And that's a powerful message for teens and adults, because I think there's a lot of adults who are like, I don't know what to say. I'm just going to stay out of it because I don't want to do it wrong. So it's better that, that you send a message out of support, even if you might stumble on your words or do it a little bit, you know, um, use the wrong words or, you know, it's just better to say something. Yeah, exactly. 
And how about you, Kiana? What do you feel like your community kind of needs to do or what you would like to see, you know, people doing for each other? Um, I think just making sure like you're educating yourself and using like more than one source for stuff. I know a lot of people try to go back to like, the same sources, make sure you're using different news sources, um, different media outlets, and try like your best to educate yourself first instead of just, I know some people, they tend to just go to like the first black person they find and be like, tell me everything I need to know. It's like, no, you need to do like some research yourself. And if you have a question, you're really confused, like, yeah, I'll answer it, I'll have a conversation with you. But it's not like my job as a black person to be like your encyclopedia for all of history because I don't even know everything. Mm -hmm. I think that and then just make sure whatever you're doing is with good intent. Because again, like like was saying, I know some people are just scared um, of judgment and scared of saying the wrong thing. But if you're genuinely doing something out of the good of your heart and people can see that, then they'll take the time to correct you. Yeah. So what can the two of you tell any teens who are listening, like black teens, white teens, like whoever is listening? What is there a message that you'd like to get across to them? The main thing I would want to push out is that there are people that love you a lot. And no matter what's going on, stick to with the people that you know really care about you through thick and thin and whatever is happening. Stay with those that you know you could rely on no matter what. And just like keep your head up about everything that's going on because it's a really crazy time. And just try to stay as positive and optimistic as possible. For me, I would say, again, make sure like you're trying to keep up with stuff on media, but don't be like scared or feel bad for stepping back from something. Um, like I know for me, I got drained on like a rabbit hole of stuff mm -hmm. um, in the media for like three days straight. And yesterday I was just like, I'm just gonna like hide the Instagram app within my phone and turn off notifications. Mm -hmm. And I'm just gonna, like, I just didn't read anything. And if I saw something that I felt like I needed to, I would just bookmark it for later. So I think knowing that even though obviously, like you wanna help um, and you wanna stay informed, that your mental health and your emotional health is also really important. So if you need to take a break, whether it be for like a few hours or a few days, like it's okay because if you're not at your best self, you can't be a help to other people. Right, for sure. And I think that's such an important message that taking care of yourself during this time doesn't mean you're ignoring it or that you don't wanna be part of the change. But yeah, your mental health has to come first. And um, there may be a day where you are really angry, like like you're talking about the two different sides, right? Like yeah. you may be super pissed off one day and that's fine. And um, to like process that emotion, don't just try to say, I shouldn't feel that way. And there's days you're going to feel sad and that's okay too. And you just have to be mindful of the emotions that are coming with all of this and all of this change and everything that's going on. I think that's a very important point. Um, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thanks to both of you for joining me today. Um, you've given me and the listeners a lot to think about and your words will definitely create a ripple in the lives of people who have heard what you have to say. Parents, let's get out there and make a difference and teens don't give up hope. We're so glad you joined us for this episode. Whether you are an adult or a teen, it's always amazing what we can learn just by listening. If you would like more information on TeenWise and the resources and programs available, we invite you to visit us at teenwiseseattle.com 
If you're a parent in need of more support, join our Facebook group at Teen Wise Parents. We hope to see you over there. Mm-hmm.